Welcome back, listeners. My name is Shara Donahue, and this is The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we talk about sayings prevalent in the church and culture that miss the mark of accurate theology. Today is the first episode of something a little bit different as we begin a series on half-truths. These are sayings that have a seed of truth, but are often exercised in unbiblical ways. So we're happy to have you join us for this new series. Today we are looking at something I have heard far too many people say as they run after destruction, and something that I too believed in my younger years, saying, God would want me to be happy. This is a yes, but type of statement. And people who are hypersensitive to the fallibility usually snap back with something like, God doesn't want my happiness. He wants my holiness. To that, I would say, well, yes, sort of. God does want us to be holy. Absolutely. But the Bible also says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit in Romans 15:13. And in Psalm 16:8 through 9, we see the plea of David. Keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. And then in verse 11, it says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I completely allow for the idea of being able to have joy when you are unhappy. This is what allowed Paul to teach us the truth of Philippians 4.4, which proclaims, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice, while he was under arrest. But however you define happiness, it is intertwined with this idea of a sense of satisfaction and well-being. You may have happiness while you have joy, but the joy of the Lord is never something that is dependent on circumstance. God wants us to have joy, and for the believer, happiness is often part of that experience. God gave us happiness as a gift. It is when the pursuit of the gift or the feelings of happiness and pleasure supersede our pursuit of the heart of God that we run into a problem. I think the best place to start with this is to make sure that from the beginning, we correct this view that happiness and holiness are at odds with each other. You can have both. John Piper writes from the conviction that we don't have to choose duty over delight and teaches that happiness and holiness can coexist. He says God's ultimate goal in the world, his glory, and our deepest desire to be happy are one and the same because God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. 
Not only is God the supreme source of satisfaction for the human soul, but God himself is glorified by our being satisfied in him. Therefore, our pursuit of joy in him is essential. So, if God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him, then it stands to reason that our happiness and our holiness are not mutually exclusive, but that we have to leave behind the idea that happiness is intertwined with what Hebrews calls fleeting pleasures. Let's look at Hebrews eleven twenty four through 25. It gives Moses as an example of what the faithful heart will chase after and leave behind. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses could have chosen the life of a prince But he knew God was the greater prize, so he chose God over fleeting pleasures. It is in the reaching for these fleeting pleasures and the casting off of responsibility that I most often hear, God would want me to be happy. It makes an appeal to the authority of God, but is often used for something God would not be pleased with. I hate going to school or work, and God will want me to be happy, so I'm not going anymore. I should stop eating copious amounts of dessert. I don't want to struggle with health problems in the future, but God will want me to be happy. So, bon appetit. I am tired of arguing with my spouse, and my coworker is so pleasant, and God will want me to be happy, so I think I'll pursue a relationship with my coworker, or just leave my spouse. Life is hard, but heroin takes the pain away and God will want me to be happy. So I'm finding a deal here. You may think that escalated quickly, but we should never underestimate sin's ability to sell us on the upside of seeking satisfaction apart from God and the ways our hearts will try to justify the cost of a moment of fleeting pleasure. But if we choose to be with God, even if it means being uncomfortable, instead of a temporary fix to our discomfort, we will find delight. And a God who loves to give us the desires of our heart. Psalm 37.4 promises, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. When I was a young Christian and read the psalm, it was easy for me to twist its words and wisdom. This verse felt like I was given the keys. I needed to get all I ever wanted. I just needed to learn how to delight in the Lord. Okay. I didn't quite know what that looked like, so I did what we should do when we don't understand something about God. I asked him to show me what delighting in the Lord meant. And he did begin to show me what I found was not a way to manipulate God into giving me what I wanted, but that I did not recognize what I truly wanted until Jesus became my greatest desire. 
When what we want reaches past the temporal pleasures of everyday life or fleeting pleasures, as we've been talking about, and instead our desires stretch into the eternal, our will begins to evolve. The things of God become the new desires of our hearts and the things we once believed were necessary or needed to quench the thirst of our hard to satisfy souls lose their sparkly and shiny appeal. We cannot forget the truth that God loves to share his blessings with his children and that there are many desires God loves to say yes to. So before we wrap up today, let's look at some of the practical desires that God is wanting us to ask him for. And one of these desires that God likes to say yes to is the desire that he would bring our desires into alignment with his. Every desire find its origin in the heart. A heart unregenerated longs for the same thing the rest of the world desires. When our heart is changed and made new by the power of the Holy Spirit, our desires are made new as well. Victory has been given to the spirit. The war has been won. This doesn't mean that we won't sometimes battle against the seductive pulls and pleasures of the flesh. But ultimately, we have become a person of the spirit. We have become one of God's children and all our unrighteousness will be covered by Jesus. Therefore, all of our true desires, the deep ones, the ones that our spirit cries out for begin to be transformed as well. Paul says in Galatians 5:16, "So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh." Walking by the spirit changes every piece of us. Nothing is left untouched by our savior when we entrust our lives fully to his care. I'm Dr. Lauren DeVille, a practicing naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. In my podcast, Christian Natural Health, my guests and I discuss topics ranging from nutrition, sleep, hormone balancing, and exercise to specific health concerns like hair loss, anxiety, and hypothyroidism. I'll also interweave biblical principles as they apply throughout the podcast because true health is body, mind, and spirit. Listen to Christian Natural Health for free at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcast platform. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. The desire to see God's name glorified is also a right desire. Yes, there are many who profane the name of God. But what a joy it is to see him move in ways that call people toward him when hurting hearts find healing, lives bound to the world become free, and righteousness shuts down wickedness. 
We bask in the joy of seeing the one we love most get the praise and honor he deserves. When our hearts find satisfaction in seeing the Lord rightly, we become like those who sang a song of praise in Isaiah 26, 8. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. It is also reasonable to have a desire to be comforted as you live in this fallen world. But beware, comfort is an easy false god to follow, but one that is sure to turn on you if it is chased until caught. Comfort seeking never finds contentment, even when your life is comfortable. When you have a roof over your head, it whispers that you need something soft to sit on. Then it convinces you that a bigger TV, better food, or a person to hold you might finally deliver the comfort you desire. The false god of comfort tells you more is necessary. This is why when instructing the Corinthians, Paul did not say trust comfort, but instead pointed at the true comforter. He said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. That was in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4. When we desire to be comforted, God will meet us with lasting comfort that not only helps us, but can be shared with others. We can also desire true peace. Both the world and the mind can be precarious places, but it is right to desire peace, trust, and an undisturbed heart. With this comes the truth that we are not alone in this world. And loneliness is quiet, but it taunts souls, tempting them to settle for anyone or anything that can silence the ache. Take the case of the patriarch Jacob and the long road it took him to realize the presence of God in all his life. He schemed, he plotted, he married two sisters and took their handmaids as concubines. He had a whole bunch of kids and acquired enough livestock to fill a zoo. It wasn't until after many years of striving, trying to make his own way, that he looked back and saw that grace had paved his way. In Genesis 35.3, we finally see a shift in his character when he says, I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. He was with Jacob wherever he went, and he will be with us wherever it is we may go. We were made for community, and God continually reminds us in his word that he is with us. In the book, Glorious Weakness, Aaliyah Joy's words implore us not to forget God is with us. 
She says, Jesus knows we will be ravaged by our hunger, by our doubt, by the tendency to want to sustain ourselves, protect ourselves, rescue ourselves, nourish ourselves, name ourselves. He also knows we are utterly incapable of remaining sober-minded on our own. Not when we face such terrible lies, such loud voices of accusation. Jesus promises We will not go into the wilderness alone. So in a similar vein to that, we can have the desire that the evil and darkness of the world will be destroyed. Too often we hear news of pain inflicted by evil, war, disease, abuses in many forms, mass shootings, racism, It plagues our lands, and we should hope to see an end to all the villainy. We do not know when it will happen, but it will happen. In the same psalm that instructs us to delight in the Lord, we also find hope that someday evil's reign will end. So in Psalm 37, in verses 9 through 11, the Bible says, For those who are evil will be destroyed. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. And finally, the desire that is the foundation of all joy. That there is a way to be forgiven and find eternal life. There is no greater need for anyone than the need for forgiveness. All have sinned, and when we seek God's forgiveness through His Son, we are given forgiveness without question. It is a desire met with the gift of salvation that cuts through every chain darkness tries to wrap around us. Colossians 1, 13-14 declares, For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In Ephesians 1, 7, it also reminds us of the same good news and the cost Jesus paid to obtain it. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Forgiveness is ours, and it cannot be taken. It is central to our hope and a desire fulfilled to every soul secured in Christ. One of the indescribable blessings of being saved by the grace of Christ is the eternity that awaits us after death is no longer something that we need to fear. The life promised is one of perfection, glory, and forever being in the presence of our wonderful Savior. 1 John 2.17 encourages all believers by recording that the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Our hearts can wait with hopeful expectation for the perfection of heaven. For believers, it is a promise that will not fail, and from that unspeakable joy, yes, happiness should be born. God wants us to rejoice in who he is and to no longer have our happiness stolen by 
are settling for fleeting pleasures. He has given us the greatest pleasure of all, himself. Will you pray with me? Oh, Jesus, we are so often deluded by the pleasures this world throws in front of us. Help us to keep our eyes on you so that we may find rest, peace, comfort, and happiness. Show us how happiness, joy, and holiness are intertwined and part of your plan for us. May we no longer seek to define our happiness, but let you define what happiness truly is as we delight in you and let you transform the desires of our heart. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining me today to discuss happiness and the great joy God has waiting for us. The resources, books, and articles referred to in this podcast can be found in the show notes at lifeaudio.com slash podcast or on iTunes. And if you're over in the notes, we'd love if you would rate and review this podcast so others can find us. Until next time, may you seek the abundant life Jesus died to give and live in the truth that sets people free. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com. Dot com.